greetings from this side of the room. And wherever you are, at whatever point in time, those who are joining online. I hope you feel very much part of what we're doing in the room today, each one of you. Well, last time I was up here, I was telling you about a very precious ring that I'd had restored. Today, I've brought along a treasure of a very different kind. It's not unique. You may very well have one yourself. And I'm not going to make you guess what it is. Here it is. It's my iPad. I love this thing. This slim machine allows me to interact with a whole massive digital universe, or the parts of it that I choose anyway, day or night, wherever I choose to take it. It allows me to connect with people all across the globe. I can even see them on screen, FaceTime. It allows me to access content that I find uplifting, inspiring, challenging, educational. And it even allows me to create my own content. I can make a blog, I can send messages, I can video people, photo people. In fact, ready? Smile. Don't worry, I will delete that later. Learning to use this machine was not that hard. Admittedly, I didn't catch on as quickly as the one-year-olds in our family who seemed to know what all the buttons, the swipe screen, the volume, they seemed to know it all. But all I needed to do was read some basic instructions about how it works, and have someone patiently demonstrate, just simple demonstrations of what to do, and then it was up to me. Get going, get practicing, work it out, off you go. As long as I had a good battery charge and access to Wi-Fi power, good to go. So, how bizarre would it be if I were to take my iPad and open it up on my home screen, and let's say I want to send an email. Uh, I'm getting a little sign in the box. No, other way around, thank you. <laughs> there we go. So I'm on the home screen, and I see clearly see the email icon, but instead of clicking on the icon, opening it up, and doing my thing. Instead of that, I close down the lid of my iPad and say, I'm not powerful enough to send emails from an iPad. I don't think I'm really cut out to send emails. Not like that expert in the showroom who just did everything so easily. But of course, they would have had special permission, special training, I don't even think Apple want me to send emails from their iPad. I mean, if they did, surely they'd be sending me some sort of special message, special sign that that's what they want. I suppose I could contact Tim Cook, the CEO. Oh, no, wait, he's way too busy. They must have a help desk. I could contact the help desk and maybe ask them, could you please try and get me special permission to send an email, and 
Just have some extra power made available to me so I can send my email, please. Yeah, I'll do that. Let's say I did approach the help desk with that. Not only would they think they had encountered a whole new level of crazy, but they would politely, I'm sure, walk me through some very simple checks. Um, Gillian, is your iPad actually switched on? Yes, it's on. How's the battery charge? Is that good? Yes, it's full charge. What about your Wi-Fi signal strength? Have a look. How, how strong is that? It's full strength. Friend, in that case, you have more computing power in that machine than took the astronauts of Apollo 11 to the moon. You can have, you have power there to send a million emails and more. And you don't need any special permission. You don't need any special authority to do it. You already have that. But it's going to take you to click on that icon, open the file, create your message, and send it out to do what it was designed to do. Find out what your machine can do, then go do it all. Hold that thought. Because we are about to take a whirlwind tour of the divine showroom on earth in Luke 4, where Jesus is demonstrating what is possible when God's permission, his authority, and God's power is made available to implement his kingdom operating system on the earth. Whirlwind tour. We're going to go through this quick. So Simon's already read it to us. Here we go. This is what Jesus does with the authority he knows he has. First of all, he locates himself, Capernaum. He knows exactly where he needs to be. No flip-flapping around, he heads straight to the place he knows he's got to be. Teaches in the synagogue, not just any old how, he teaches with authority. He delivers a demonized man, that man's set fully free. He heals Simon's mother-in-law, she's very, very poorly, high fever. She gets up, even serves them food afterwards. Heals and delivers. They have this sunset healing meeting where everyone from the region comes and he heals them all. No matter what kind of disease, disability, no matter what was afflicting them, all of them are healed, all. And those oppressed by demonic oppression, all set free, all of them. All means all. And then it's time for him to move on. He does that with authority because they're begging him, no, 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 stay, don't go. But he knows, no, it's time for me to move on. So he relocates with authority. Twelve verses, all of that. I think that is amazing. Don't you? In fact, the word amazed is actually used twice in the 12 verses. Verse 32, verse 38. It talks about the people's reaction to Jesus. They were amazed. And do you know what they were most amazed at? His authority. The authority with which he spoke and with which he ministered. That's what stood out. You know what that tells us? They weren't used to seeing authority like that before. This was something entirely new. Oh, they were no strangers to authority. Remember, in this place, in this time, the people were under occupying Roman rule. So you better recognize and submit to authority. 
if you want to stay alive. Need a little reminder? Here comes the point of a sword to help you with that. And don't forget to pay your taxes to Caesar on the way out. The tentacles of political authority wrapped around everything. It would seem that dysfunctional, dysfunctional political leadership is nothing new. But the religious authority was not much different. The religious leaders of the time may not have wielded their authority over God's people at the point of a sword, but they nonetheless crushed and oppressed them with ever increasingly onerous demands of the Mosaic law, or at least their obsessive interpretations of them. They'd put on their pious religious displays, showing their great zeal for God, tithing, fasting, reciting scripture, all staged to make them look like they deserved the authority they felt the people should respect them for. But that zeal for God didn't make them love God more. It didn't make them love people more, their neighbor more. In fact, they used their positions of authority to increase burdens on the people, including temple tax. So most of the people were just struggling to survive, while they, the leaders, they were living in the lap of luxury. Dysfunctional authority figures. So when Jesus comes to town, and he walks in this true and pure authority, powerfully, that liberates people and does not oppress them, no wonder they were shocked, no wonder they were amazed. Here's Jesus, not, he's representing God, but he's not courting adulation while keeping a lofty distance from the people. He's humbly moving among them, serving them powerfully. He's not lifelessly droning out endless scripture verses and long religious prayers. But here he is, addressing directly those things that are oppressing the people, holding them captive, sickness, disease, evil oppression. Speaking to them, how? Few words, sternly, rebuking, commanding. Get out, be quiet. Come out, be healed, fever, leave. And those things obey him. Talk about disruptive technology. That's our Jesus. But Jesus didn't come, did he, just to be the one demonstrating what a divine expert can do. He didn't come to do that. He came to demonstrate, to put on display, what is possible for an ordinary man, an ordinary man, in union with an extraordinary God, knowing him as Father. He came to put on display what's possible there, so that he could then go on to give that same permission, that same authority that the Father had given to him, the Son, He's now going to go on and give that to other ordinary followers. First to some, then to more, then to all. It's like this ever-increasing ripple of authority that Jesus is making wider and wider 
into the earth. Let's take a look at those ripples just quickly. I'm going to need your help a little bit. Hope you're up for that. Please say yes. Yes, thank you. Okay. A few chapters on from Luke 4, we've got Luke 9. So now we're going from Jesus doing the stuff to the 12. How about we try and read this together, shall we? Even if it's a little bit out of sync, just do your best, okay? But give it some life. Give it some, I mean this. Ready? Now Jesus called together the 12 disciples and gave them the right to exercise power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Great. I'd say that was a solid cinq points. Okay? Cinq points. That's good. The jury's happy. We'll keep going. So now it's not just Jesus doing it. It's the 12. They're going out with the authority. They're commanding God's power directly to heal, to deliver. And they're seeing the same results. Even Judas was in that group. Just think about that when you're having an off day. Judas was in that group. He saw the exact same things happen as he went and commanded with that same authority. Right, the ripple's getting wider. You ready? We're going wider. Here we go. Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. I'd say that's a good we point eight. We're coming up. It's good. We're, we're getting there. Thank you. So now it's the 72 are going out, and they're seeing great results. The demonic set free. The sick are healed. And they're so excited, and they come back, don't they, with great jubilation. Oh, Jesus, you'll never guess what we saw. Of course, Jesus knew already, but he was, he was excited for them too. But then we're widening still further. And for this, we're going to have to go to Matthew 28. So Jesus has already died and he's been resurrected. And before he returns to the Father, what proclamation does he have to make? Let's read it together. This is stunning. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Douze points. Very good. Congratulate yourselves. That's excellent. All authority has been given to Jesus. And the implication is, chaps, ladies, I'm giving it now to you. So now you go and make disciples of all nations. The authority belongs to you now to command power, God's power, to do what it is designed to do. The first time we see this actually happening in the lives of ordinary Jesus believers is in Luke's next book, Acts, chapters 3 and 4. And here we find Peter and John at the beautiful gate, a well-known story. And there at the gate, there's a man lame from birth. These guys, following in the way that Jesus had taught them, and knowing that they had now been filled with the Spirit of Jesus because the Holy Spirit's come upon them after Jesus has ascended to the Father, 
They now know it's time for us to command God's power to do the things it's designed to do. So they speak, short, sharp, stern command, get up to this man, and he does. He gets up fully healed. And then they preach this, Peter preaches this amazing sermon. It's a brilliant discourse, which is very odd, very strange, given the fact that we're told when they realized they were uneducated and ordinary men, the people were astonished. They recognized they'd been with Jesus. These were just workaday guys, very poor education. So next time you want to rule yourself out that, oh, I'm, I don't think I'm trained enough, I haven't had the education, I'm not. Think of this, ordinary, edu uneducated guys. Now they're doing what Jesus did. They're releasing their authority to command God's power to do what it was designed to do. How did they do it? Peter actually explains it. Faith in the name of Jesus. Faith in the name of Jesus. What we've just been singing about, faith in the name of Jesus. What does that mean? Well, what it doesn't mean is that it's some sort of magic mantra that we just stick on the end of our prayer to make it more effective. It's not that. And nor is it seeing Jesus as our heavenly help desk. Oh, Jesus, um, there's someone in need here, and I, I really want to pray for them, but can you just ask the Father if that's okay? Do I have permission to do that? And uh, I'm going to need some extra power here, Jesus, so can you ask him for some of that? To no, it's not that. This is recognizing that Jesus himself, by his Spirit, Peter and John grasp this, lives now inside of me. Therefore, we have that same power to command God's power to do what it's designed to do. They grasp that. That's what faith in the name of Jesus is. Knowing we're in union with him. We have everything we need. We don't need a single extra thing to do the things that Jesus has commanded to do. But we do need to click on the icon, open the file, and release what is on the inside of it. And that brings us to today, to now, February 2022, in this room, at the Hub, or wherever you may be, online, at whatever point in time. That ripple of authority has reached you and me. Have you given your yes to Jesus? Have you allowed him to come and fill you with his Holy Spirit? Don't feel excluded if you haven't, by the way, because today's the day of salvation. You can do that today. The ripples of redeeming love are lapping at your shore too. You can give your yes to Jesus. If you have, when you have, that same spirit lives in you. That same power dwells in you. The same power that was in Christ Jesus and Peter and John to do those things, to release the power of God. That's in you. That's in me. Need a bit more convincing? How about this one? This is one of my all-time favorite verses. Ephesians 1, 18 to 19. I pray, said Paul, that you will understand. You'll grasp it. You'll realize it. You'll appreciate it. The incredible greatness of God's power for us 
and in us who believe him. What's the qualification? Believe. Just believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. What? The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in me, is in you, and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That same power is in you and me. What does all this mean? It means that we have, in union with Christ, we have the same permission to release God's power, to command it to do what it was designed to do, to deliver, to heal, to save. We have that same power. God has put, you could say, his power under our authority. Oh, no, Jill, we don't have any authority. No, oh, no, only God has authority. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but we do. God has placed his power under our authority. We get to choose. We get to control where we will release it, when we will release it, whether we will release it. That's our choice. We get to go and release God's power at our choice. He's given us that permission. It's under our control now. Isn't that amazing? It's a big responsibility, but it's a marvelous one. It means that we're not always going, having to go back to the CEO. Oh God, is this okay? God, I need more power, oh God. No, we have it all already. He's fully given us, and he didn't give it in installments, by the way. He deposited the whole amount when Christ's spirit came inside us at the moment we believed. That is incredible. Don't you think, friends, don't you think it's time for no more Mr. Nice Guy when it comes to confronting those things that are oppressing and harassing and afflicting your family, your neighborhood, your workplace, your town, yourselves? Don't you think it's time to deal with those things that are holding people captive, Jesus style, that we we be the commanders that God has made us to be, and we command. We use stern, strong, short, few words, rebuking those things that are coming against us and our loved ones. Get up, come out, be healed, leg grow, pain leave. Short, few words, Jesus did it that way, and we're going to be praying more like Jesus. How are we doing with that? How are you doing with addressing the works of, of darkness, those things of enemy oppression? How are you, how am I dealing with that? Because I don't know about you, I find it startlingly easy just to tolerate that stuff, almost to accept it, sometimes even to yield to it. Stuff goes down, it's bad, and it's... Well, that's just life in a fallen world. You know, until Jesus comes back. Yeah, it's a shame, but you know, what can we do? Oh, well, of course, we can pray. And of course, praying's great. But even in our praying, sometimes our praying becomes just delegating it back to God. Oh, God, 
Will you come and move in this situation? Oh God, will you move this mountain? Oh God, will you please calm this storm? Oh God, would you open the heaven and send more power? When all the while, God has made you and me, he's given us storm-stilling, mountain-moving, body-healing, demon-delivering authority to take care of it ourselves. Amen? Amen? That's our privilege and responsibility now. We are the ones who get to stand up, take authority, and command, not request, not plead, not beg, command in the way that Jesus did it. Extreme weather events. We've had one. We've had two this week. They're only going to increase, aren't they? The birth pangs. The earth is groaning. Who's going to rise up and deal with it? Government? Climate activists? Scientists? Well, let's pray for all those people that they do. Let's pray for each one of us in our role in that. But for us, the sons and daughters of God, surely this is our time to rise up and address those things, commanding storms to be still, commanding them to dispel and move out and do no harm. Have you ever seen that happen? I've seen that happen. I've been part of a group that's prayed that that would happen. We've had storm systems forecast before, came to nothing. Don't even hear of them in the news anymore. That's our role, to stand up and take dominion, godly dominion over creation. That was our original role right at the start, wasn't it? Adam and Eve exercised dominion over the earth, bring it from chaos into order. Well, we made a big hash of that, and instead of godly dominion, we've, we've used abusive domination of the earth and God's resources. But we get to reverse that now. We get to come in with the authority and power that is ours in union with Christ Jesus. And we get to stand up to those things and see them move. But I know all too well Life can get really heavy sometimes, really tough. Sometimes the going, the pushing back, the rising up, the coming against, it's hard. It's relentless some days, some seasons. And we get tired and battle-weary. I don't know if you can relate to this quote. It's not from the Bible. It's from Jack Kerouac. It's all too much and not enough at the same time. You've been pushing and pushing and pushing and confronting. And it just feels like you haven't got enough to keep going anymore. That's the time when we need to bring in others around us to support, other voices, lion voices, L-I-O-N, roaring voices, not voices that will just sympathize and say, oh, yes, it's terrible, oh, I'm so sorry, yes, of course, we'll pray. Not those kind of voices. No, the ones that will say, this is not good enough. It's time to rise up, come against, rebuke, short, sharp, stern commands, to come against those things. It can take time. In our 
group, our prodigals group on a Tuesday, we prayed for years, actually, for a young adult who had addiction problems that had gripped them for years. And some weeks, it would just get worse. And different ones in the group would, would need that lifting back up into a position of faith and authority, that we wouldn't just sink into, oh God, if it's your will, maybe. No, we have to rise up and push and tell that mountain to move. It's taken time. But that young adult now walks completely free. All their addiction gone, two years now clean. That is the authority and power that we get to walk in. But we need others sometimes to come around us and be those voices to encourage us back into a position of faith. Sometimes they need to be that voice for us in our proxy for a time. And then when we're strengthened, we come back in and we're the voice, we're that lion voice of authority for someone else who needs mountains moving in their lives. Right, there's one word that right near the end of the chunk in Luke, you could blink and miss it. I did blink and miss it several times, but it caught my eye eventually. Solitary. It talks about Jesus. He'd done all this stuff, and then he went away to be alone with his father. This really challenges me. Not because I can't find time to be alone with the Father, I can. Not because I can't find a place where I can be on my own with him, I can. But there's one thing about being alone in the room with God. It's another thing to keep out the crowd and I don't mean people barging into the room. For me, that's going to be the pings and the buzzers and the vibrations and the notifications coming from things like this and this. And just that, oh, I just thought, oh, I didn't message, oh, I never replied, I never got back to, oh, I'll just send a quick message. Anyone identify? It's one thing to be alone with him. It's another one to, to keep the crowd out. Takes work. And I'm working on it. Why did Jesus need to be alone with the Father so much? Why? I think it was for his own sake. He just loved being in his Father's presence. That was the place of his pure joy and delight. But I also believe that Jesus knew he had all power and authority. He knew that. I believe Jesus knew that if he didn't stay very present with the Father, very attuned and in sync with the Father's heart, his agendas, his motives, the Father's motives, the Father's ways and purpose, if he didn't stay in tune with that, he could go out and just use power and authority in a mechanical way, as if it was just a machine 
Do it by, do it by rote almost, do it formulaic. He knew that that could happen. He didn't want that. And I believe he also knew that if he didn't soak up, charge up, if you like, in the love zone, he would never have the resilience, he would never have the sustaining power he would need to go and complete the mission he had on, work, on Earth. He knew he needed to charge up in the love zone. I don't know about you, but for me, I know what it is to operate on 2%. Not just my iPad, but me. I've known what that's like, have you? And I know how possible it is to get nearer and nearer to burnout, disillusionment, discouragement, giving up, losing boldness, losing faith. I know how easy it is to get near that, and I don't want that. I want to be charged up in the love zone. I want to be on full charge. So when, when I get near people, they don't get Jill. They get him. And I can sustain what's there in my day with a full, full battery. But I need to charge up in the love zone. The power's always flowing. Oh, that's always available. But the charge level, that's up to me. That's up to you. I want to get to a day where in this house, we unashamedly, repeatedly celebrate the wonderful things that God does when ordinary people, you and me, command God's power to do what it is designed to do. I want to see that day, don't you? But I don't want to be the one that's amazed at that. I want the ones who are amazed to be those who are so unfamiliar with ever seeing that. The passers-by, the onlookers, the people in the street, the people in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our circles of influence, that they are amazed that how is this possible through this very ordinary person that lives in my street? Through this person that just looks like a normal person standing in front of me? How is that possible? They'll be amazed and they will know, wow, this God, he could actually be real. When they see healing, delivering, set free, people's hearts made whole. Ordinary people. So, what's it to be? Are we going to close down the lid and keep all that kingdom power and authority just unused on the inside? Or are we going to open it up, click on the icon, open the file, and let out everything of God's glorious operating system into the earth? An earth that is waiting and groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. That's you and me. They're waiting for us to do our thing. The choice is ours. The benefit is theirs. The glory is his. 
Halleluja. Amen.